everybody, it's your girl Kenny B, and I'm here with my producer Q, and we are here for another episode of the Black Content Corner. So this week, I wanted to talk a little about, well I've been waiting to talk about this, but I'll just go into it. So back in 2016, I remember seeing a lot of people, self-included, um, we were saying that we would leave America if that person became president, which he did. And um, I Googled it on November 11, 2016, Blackset was one of the most popular searches on Google. So for most of us, this was an empty thread because we're still here. But there have been folks that have gone on up out of here. Um, the folks that leave are called expats. And it's short for expatiation. So the definition of expatiate is to move about freely or at will. And just to kind of go off of this definition, because it's not a part of it, but when I think of um, expatiating, it's leaving your home country to go basically live somewhere else. And that could involve renouncing your citizenship or maybe just having a dual citizenship. So cute. Have you ever thought about leaving America? And if so, about, where would you go? Thought about? <laughs> I'm already planning it. Uh, <laughs> my wife and I are going, going to Mexico. Uh, that's our plan. We plan to buy property in Mexico uh, within the next couple of years here. And once we retire, we out this joint. When when do you plan on retiring? Is like an early retirement or... Yeah, so um, my plan and my, my wife and I's plan is to become, I, I don't like the word retiring, but becoming mm -hmm. work optional, quote unquote. So if we want to consult, if we want to mm. run a coffee shop, like we can if we want to, but we don't have to. Okay. Um, is there anything holding you back from doing it like within the past four years? Yeah, I mean, so I... I I actually had an opportunity when uh, in 2016 to move to Montreal, um, mm. but I, I chose not to do that. I stayed in Arizona, ended up going anyway back here. So, um, but I, I had an opportunity to do that, and the election was going on, and I actually like really wish I had done that. Um, but the problem is, like, if if we were to go to Mexico right now, I wouldn't be able to work. Um, and I wouldn't, I don't speak the language. My wife does, but I don't speak the language. So it just wouldn't make a ton of sense right now. So this sounds like a one situation on 90 Day Fiance. Even the guy went to Colombia. He, he didn't go to Mexico, but he doesn't have a, actually, I thought he had a good grasp on Spanish, but apparently he doesn't. And he thought that he could just move down there and get a job. <laughs> no. And... <laughs> I don't know why he didn't know that you had to get a visa and all this stuff, but you should watch 90 Day Fiance. No, I but shouldn't. <laughs> I also had thought about leaving America. Um, I've been to, I think the only place that I have been and I felt like I could leave there was when we went to Port of Spain in Trinidad. And I know if I were to leave, it would have to be a country with brown people. Like mm -hmm. going to Europe and all that stuff. Because when I went to Paris, 
I ended up, which one of my favorite parts of the trip, I was talking to a, a man from Algeria that was Muslim and like listening to him talk about like the discrimination that he deals with. You know, it, it it's always a, in, in the back of my mind that if you go somewhere that's not like, uh, if you go to a European country or an Asian country, like you still might be dealing with <laughs> the stuff that you're dealing with in America. Oh, there's so a reason we chose Mexico. Like, I mean, like <laughs> our, our, everyone talks about the Caribbean. That certainly was a possibility of Costa Rica, but like Mexico, are we trying to get away from white people and they ain't coming to Mexico in mm-hmm. droves. That's for sure. True. And I, I think, and another reason that I also think about when it comes to like leaving, I get scared that I would, like my offspring would kind of miss out on like being a part of my family. Like, you know, like it, when it comes to like slavery, we kind of cut off from like our, our roots. And I'm scared that if I were to move, that I would be cutting off my roots again from my children and children's children and all that. Even though it's probably, I'm leaving more of a footprint due to the internet, of course. But I think about that too, because I mean, now I live far away from my family anyways. So, I mean, distance isn't, especially if I go to the Caribbean, I'm probably, I mean, the plane ride is only like four hours. It's not that bad. But I don't know. I think about it, and then I'm like, uh, I don't know. So, I really wanted to go, like, the original plan was to go to St. Lucia. So, my my grandmother is from the West Indies. She's from Mm -hmm. St. Lucia. That was the plan. Um, I started looking up how much it costs to live there. That plan was killed pretty quick. Uh, It's expensive expensive to to buy property there. Yes. Um, Probably because it's so, like, when it's scenic and really pretty. Yeah. It's probably, yeah, that I can see it being expensive. And white folks have found out about the place, so. (laughs) Maybe. I feel like, I don't know if this is, this is an assumption. I feel like any place with, like, all-inclusive resorts or something, like, it would be (laughs) expensive. colonizing. That's what it is. It's, it's, It's colonization through capitalism. Yeah, but I still, I, I would like to visit. I want to, my mom said she wants to go to St. Lucia, and I really want to take her there. Do it. I know she's really iffy about going now because of, like, the pandemic, but I'm hoping to go. I really like the Caribbean. I I don't know why. I Maybe I just wasn't expecting to like it as much as I did, but I do. And I want to visit, like, every country in the Caribbean. Like I've only been to the Dominican Republic, um, but that's I've never been to any other part of the Caribbean. I ain't going there. I'm going to go to Haiti. I ain't going to the Dominican. See, so my wife actually was in Haiti for a few months with the Peace Corps, and uh, she liked it. But, like, Haiti's not a place that you got to be ready to go to Haiti and prepared. You know what I mean? Like, because shit, the, the, the same thing with Dominican Republic. Like, those countries are so third world poor that, like, if you do go to the resorts, like, we mm-hmm. went there for a wedding, and the country is so poor. Like, people drive six hours to stay six weeks at a time to work at these resorts because that's the only way, those are the only jobs mm-hmm. they can get. Um, and so, I have a, I, 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 I try to, like, I wrestled with that. It's like, 
I don't want to go support these resorts, but I also want to make sure that these people who live here and are from here benefit from it being here. So it's like very conflicting when I, when I was, you know, uh, when I was there and she said the same thing about Haiti, that it was just, it's, it's tough to see sometimes. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had no intention of plugging this company, but what I sent you, uh, the company's called Crush Global. And the it's black woman owned, and she curates trips to different countries, and everything is pretty much you're going to black owned restaurants, you're doing black um, centered tours. So that's when I went to Cuba, I had an itinerary curated by her. So I stayed with a, a black Cuban family. We went to, you know, black restaurants. My tour guide, he was a black Cuban, you know. So, you know, you can be intentional with traveling. It just takes more planning to do. 100%. So, uh, on Instagram, it's Crush Global. C-R-U-S-H Global. Um, I think the website is the same. So, definitely look into that. She just put up... um, some itineraries for road trips and i know there's a southern one that includes memphis and there's three for california and then i think a couple for the east coast if anybody's interested but to go back to expatriation um, i couldn't find the actual numbers of african americans that have left america but i did find that they are pretty much black folks everywhere um there are tons of stories on the internet from black folks that decided to leave And from most of the stories that I read, the reason black people leave, of course, is due to how we're treated, the police brutality, um, these policies that kind of disenfranchise us, and so on. So after the death of George Floyd, uh, we all saw that Ghana's Prime Minister of Travel announced an invitation for us to come back to Africa. And I also found out that Ghana has been about this. In 2001, they had a law called the Right of a boat law that was passed that allowed Africans in the diaspora to settle in Ghana. But Africa isn't the only place that's open to black expats. In one article that I found that's from June of this year, um, it says about 120 Americans live in Germany. And it is home to about a million people of African descent. And then you have Brazil, which also has the second largest black population they have the number of identi- black identifying folks has steadily increased since 2000. But unfortunately, leaving America doesn't remove the threat of racial or gender discrimination. We see we saw all the protests in many countries around um, after George Floyd, but it wasn't all in solidarity, but due to the black and brown folk for their lives as well. There's b- police brutality, xenophobia, and a push to remove immigrants in Europe In China, we saw that locals tried to blame African immigrants for Corona. And we did see that story where one McDonald's literally put up a sign that said black folks were not allowed there. And in South America, systemic racism affects citizens of African descent. And I'm not trying to rate on our parades about, you know, leaving America, but I think we should be aware that liberation, it will not be automatic to you if you leave America. And I'm definitely not caping for anyone to stay if they don't want to. Now, I came across this article that I found really interesting. It's called For Black Expats, Adjusting to Life Abroad Means Facing White Travel Privilege by Ruth Terry. 
and she's a black and Puerto Rican expat that lives in Istanbul. Um, the article covered dealing with cultural differences as well as treatment from the locals. I want to highlight um, that black expats also have to deal with white expats. <laughs> so mm-hmm. expats tend to be white. Most receive higher compensation than local hires for comparable work, particularly in development and in international teaching. And despite often having a very limited experience in diversity, these expats, the white folks, are frequently unflinchingly confident in their multiculturalism. They perform a special brand of white wokeness, displaying naivete and privilege in how they talk about and interact with people from historically marginalized groups. So Terry mentions how white women try to downplay the microaggressions that black expats experience, or they mention that we should be happy because like a black person doesn't have to worry about like the police being called on them. It doesn't surprise me that white people would do that because they fail to acknowledge the history of racism in America. So I know they damn sure don't know about <laughs> systemic racism and discrimination in another country. So one thing I, there was a topic that I was very interested in learning about and I want to loop it into expatriation And it's rooted in when we hear the phrase, go back to Africa. And um, one, I feel like that statement is really dumb because it comes from white people. um, And I feel like our ancestors most likely, depending on who is telling you this, have been in America longer than them. And two, I want to talk about the back to Africa movement that came from, actually, it's still rooted in white men, but there's history of black people having a back to Africa movement. So, what I want to... Hell, Abraham Lincoln wanted to back in the day. Oh, that's where we're headed. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Marcus Garvey right now. That, that's a, a, a part of, back, of the back to Africa movement. I want to go before that and talk about how Liberia was established. Because I had always heard that something would happen with Liberia, but I never really knew so I'm just gonna talk about the beginnings of Liberia. And so here we go. So back in the day, while slavery was still legal, there was always a push to abolish it. In the 1800s, as the overall attitude towards slavery was changing, um, white men started thinking about what to do with all of the black folks, free and enslaved. So in 1821, The American Colonization Society purchased land in West Africa and began sending freed slaves there. Now, the American Colonization Society was a group of of white men from North and the South that included folks like James Monroe and Andrew Jackson, bitch ass. Um, And the website, The Black Past, described this group as dedicated to promoting the manumission of the enslaved in the settlement of free blacks in West Africa. Since slavery was still alive and well, abolitionists thought politicians were basically just trying to get rid of all the free blacks so they could push back the idea of ending slavery. But overall, um, 12,000 free blacks were sent over to Liberia where they refer to themselves as America Liberian. 
Americo-Liberians developed as a small elite that held political power and the indigenous folks were excluded from birthright citizenship in their own land. So basically what the free blacks did was take they behind, well, they didn't take their behinds. They were shipped over there to Liberia and started basically acting like white men. The natives could not speak unless spoken to. It was illegal for a native to marry or have a relationship with American Liberian people. And they also, the natives did not have a right to vote. Now, one of the main issues between natives and American Liberians was the idea of slavery. We know that Africans traded our own people for goods or to maintain power. And of course, American Liberians were against slavery of any kind. However, that did not keep them from having natives as servants. And we say that in quotes. So if you Google it, you'll see um, different stories about how Liberia was started. Um, and you'll see pictures. And I, I saw one picture where like the American Liberians, they really dressed up in like, the dresses with the petticoats and everybody had fancy hats on to distinguish themselves from the natives. And one, as a slave, they probably weren't used to having like decent clothes. So, and the natives still kind of were in their tribal gear. And you know how people judge native Africans that were kind of uh, nude for the most part <laughs> with maybe like a little cloth covering them. So if you look it up, you'll see those types of images. Now that's just the beginning, like I said. And if I had to talk about the whole history of natives in America, Liberians, we'd be sitting here all day. Because from what I see, the tension between them has been going on since from then and been going on all the way to like the 2000s. So this is like a long history of stuff going on over there. And I'm not finished reading up on it, but I just want to give that little tidbit because um, when I hear about going back to Africa and thinking about like a mass movement of like, african-americans like going back to africa to me it just sounds like a bad idea and reading about liberia i feel like it wouldn't i think people assume it would be like all peace and harmony and i don't think that would happen i think <laughs> we'd be over there some some folks would you know acclimate to a culture but i think there's always a group of people that's gonna try to take over and get like power hungry you know what i'm saying so I just thought it was something that something to think about. I mean, the the idea certainly is great, and I would be for it. It's just the thing, the reason that I don't think it will work from from like a real perspective is because the cultures are so different. Mm -hmm. Like Black American culture is unlike anything else. Now, while like we are all one big family, you know. African-American culture specifically and in particular is just it is it just counteracts with a lot of African culture um, and from from a religious standpoint and just a, a temperament standpoint um, we just have such a wide range of, of, of 
culture here that I don't I don't know that it would be accepted all over Africa. You know what I mean? Oh, definitely. And I also think like us as African Americans, especially with reading like different people that did leave America, um, how they a lot of people said they just felt they didn't have to like look over their shoulder or they weren't concerned about. Like, like we have PT, PTSD, and I don't, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> a big mass of us mm-hmm. that are, you know, we're harmed people and, and have issues. And then, this not to say, like, African countries, they have their own shit going on, too. Just like I was talking about For sure. um, Zimbabwe, like, they're having, like, a revolt and stuff going on and, and having issues. And then, you know, pile us on top of that. You know, it's it's just to me, um, it's go. It just sounds like a disaster. I mean, but people, like I said, in Ghana, um, they open the doors and say, like, "Hey, y'all can come here." And I know there are plenty mm-hmm. of people. I know the people have been to Ghana. They moved to Kenya. You know, different Ethiopia. You know, in South Africa. So I. I'm offered training and visiting, but I don't know if I can move. And also, and to bring up 90 Day Fiance again, we are black, but we're also American, and there's like a an attitude with that. Right. That's what I was trying to get to. Cause it I, ain't like it ain't like African like our culture, and it's not like we like theirs necessarily. Right. Like we could be over there. Like some people gonna be, you know. Pulling their nose up in the air like, what is this? You know what I'm saying? Because no matter where you go, especially if you go to a different country, they can pick out the Americans. And you can be like, how do you know? Easy. They just know. <laughs> Easy. Whether we like it or not, like, we are American and we just ooze it. So I want to... I think... Mm-hmm. I think it should be a situation to... So this is... I don't want to go off too deep of a tangent, but like... Instead of going back to Africa, because here's the problem going back to Africa to me, is you mentioned we've been here for so long. Mm -hmm. Like the 1619 Project lays that out. We have been here since at least that. This is our country. This is our home. Like Africa is never going to be, I don't think it can ever be a main part of us other than this is where we descend from. No different than, you know, I don't know, like Egyptians or something. Well, I guess they're Africans too. But, you know, mm-hmm. I, I guess we're so far removed from that. Our our culture is here. Our Like, this is in our DNA. So, like, I'd be for moving to somewhere, like, like if everyone's like, yo, we're going to take part of this region or whatever, how, however that works, the Carolinas, and, and since that's where the most slaves were held at any given time, mm-hmm. and it has all the resources we need, they can have everything else. We cool. I'd be for that. I don't know, because they've been having hurricanes. We need to go. <laughs> See? Now, you know they ain't giving us prime real estate, okay? They ain't giving us Manhattan. All right? I don't, want, I don't trust that. I feel like they be, they would try to bomb us or something. We just got to be our own country. <laughs> you know what I mean? We build the dome like in Wakanda. No. So we know when white folks up to their tricks. No, because it's always going to be... Like, at the very least, Kanye is loud about how he is, but it's some quiet Kanye's that's going to be in the in the dome and going to ruin it. <laughs> All right. can Okay. I tell you what. I tell you, here is what, what we can agree upon. They can give us 
they could give us Alaska. Hell, I mean, yeah, it's kind of cold sometimes, but you know, it's, dark it's a lot months. of land. Yeah, that's true. They gonna have to come up off something. Maybe they gonna have to give us Texas. That's not now, nah, but the white Texans ain't gonna let that happen. Yeah. All right, looks like we're looking at Mississippi, y'all. Why do you keep saying Mississippi? <laughs> Can we talk? Maybe, maybe Kentucky, Georgia. I don't know. I, I want somewhere with with mountains. We well, might just say we all go to Tennessee. Hey, I'm for it. That's three. Can, Tennessee's uh, long enough. It's the three sections of Tennessee are three different parts. Three. That's true. Because y'all, y'all Eastern Tennessee blacks. Y'all ain't like us Western Tennessee blacks, okay? And y'all Nashville ones, y'all are, are different. Nashville and Chad. Chad is very similar to Memphis, actually. That's true. <laughs> Nashville That's true. is I a, take that back. That's true. Nash, uh, Nashville is a mix of East and West, I'd say. Maybe. I don't know. You can catch me on, on the West Side. I'm saying <laughs> Yeah, that's where I'm at, so... Well, let me end off with this quote that I read. It's from Another America. And it says, I began thinking Liberia was a noble experiment that had ended awfully. Freed slaves, given the chance to govern themselves, had turned out to be no better than the white imperialists who had descended on Africa around the same time. If there is a lesson to be taken from Liberian history, it, it was a general one about human nature and oppressed people could readily become oppressors. And remember that, y'all. And oppressed people can readily, readily become oppressors. And it makes me think of black police officers. Defund the police, steal. Actually, abolish the police all day. But I have a website. It is called um, theexpat.com. And it offers advice, stories, and experiences from black people living across the globe. And that's just something if you're interested in reading like different articles about where people are living. They also have um, a place for like resources. So check that out. And it's a black, uh, it's a black woman that created that website. And I'm mainly POC team behind it. Um, and I also have two books. The first one is Maya Angelou's All God's Children Need Tra Traveling Shoes. Um, this book, you know, she has a lot of, um, is, yeah, biography. She's like, I think it's like seven about her life. And this particular book is about when she lived in Ghana and yeah, when she lived in Accra and she also lived in Cairo for a little bit in that book. So, and in that book, you'll see her with other black people that left America and like how they operated within Ghana and tried to contribute to the movement as well. So very good. All her books are good, to be honest. The second book is Benjamin and Anita Dennis, Slaves to Racism, An Unbroken Chain from America to Liberia. So check that website out. Check those books out. And check out Liberia and all that type of stuff. So we'll move on TV. Learn something. Yeah, learn you something. Um, so... I have woke listed. I watched the first three episodes and I forgot what prompted me to say I need to start over. <laughs> so I'm going to start over. I I just have to. I think I'm missing something. Did you go past the first episode? 
no i i'm with you i i it was just such a different show that like i got to be in the right headspace for it and like ready to pay attention kind of similar to lovecraft like i really have to be able to pay attention to it because that first episode just kind of threw me for a loop i thought it was that silly I did pin that other voice, that black voice, that I was like, I know this voice, but I cannot put a name to it. It was J.B. Smooth. J.B. Smooth is a like a, a pen, like a Sharpie pen, and Cedric the Entertainer was a garbage can. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I I, I, was, I remember, I was like, man, is that Cedric the Entertainer? Mm-hmm. Sure was. I don't know who the woman was. But um, we talked about this last week a little bit uh, before we recorded, and this idea, like, how... I said that I was kind of tired of seeing like our reality and entertainment form. And if you have started Woke or are you thinking about watching it, it's based off of the cartoonist. He has uh, an experience with the police. I mean, essentially police brutality. Um, and I think that's one reason why it's taken me a while to sit and watch it or try to connect with it because... I, I am getting a little worn out. I know how people are like are tired of seeing slave movies. I'm tired of like police brutality shows and movies. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I don't. I'm not really interested in watching. I think that's where we're like. I think the black community as a whole is like ready for. Like we're tired of the the hood movies. We're tired of the the you know drug movies we're tired of the police brutality like we're just tired the slave movies the the you know the white savior movies it's just we're we're ready for other things like that's what's so interesting about insecure is like it is so relative to to like our lives even in a way that the game and girlfriends before it wasn't like that is that is black America, wouldn't you say, for the most part? Like, that's the experience that mm-hmm. I would say people of, of, you know, our age identify with. And I feel like even with Dear White People, the series. Yes. Minus, yes. they did, we did have that storyline with Troy, I believe that was his name, with the, his encounter with the police. Yeah. Which, I'm, we definitely can do an episode about college experiences, <laughs> being black and mm-hmm. being in college. But even that, mm-hmm. you know, they, they hit on racial racial themes, but it wasn't necessarily, um, a, a, the story arcs weren't necessarily violent. But it, it, you know, we just touched on the race dynamics within collegiate institutions. Um, and even She's Gotta Have It. I don't know, like, even, I think both of those shows are coming back. But when we have them, they just don't really long i guess yeah but i mean but that's that's why you got to support and and it's important to at least watch like even if it's not your style like i'm not into sci-fi at all but i want to see love i i have to support lovecraft country like the watchman i thought it was boring i thought it was well done but i thought it was like a very slow dragging mm-hmm. show but i thought it was a good show it was worth it um because those stories need to be told and there's just like i'm I'm excited about antebellum like i think it's going to be a different twist um i just we we have to get out and support what we're asking for i know that comes out soon like very soon like next week i think it's friday (laughs) i need to yeah it is friday actually i need to find where it's going to be at oh okay 
So I finished the game. Um, I said that I was going to go over to Peacock to finish it. Cause not gonna be able to do it. <laughs> oh, who Melanie was irking my nurse towards the end, and I hated her wedding mm-hmm. dress. Oh, it's terrible. Not gonna be able to do it. I've had season three is definitely where the wheels fell off. I, I I've had I'm done with it. I'm cool on the Peacock uh, BT part of it. I'm good. I just I actually just want to know where uh, when Brandy her character Chardonnay like where she came in at. First, that first season, that that fourth season, it's she, she's pretty immediate. Okay, because yep. I just know, like, because I know the the story behind the scenes. The lady that played Kelly, she had breast cancer, and that's why she didn't return. Um, and I want to see how, because I remember Tia left because they weren't treating her right after she had her baby. So I just want to see that Derwin dude left too. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had a choice. And then you get uh, with Jay Ellis and uh, Lauren London. So I am going to watch. And something did change in season three. It was the way they shot the show that changed. That's what made me. I was like, something changed, but I couldn't put my finger. It was yeah, the way they it became shot more it. of like a soap opera yeah. style uh, of shooting. Yeah. And it went to an hour, if I'm not mistaken. That I don't remember. But I'll, I'll, yeah, I I'll download Peacock and I'll let you know. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, I started Girlfriends today. Very excited. I already, I've always identified as Joan. Even as a young girl, I identified as Joan. So it's crazy that I still identify with her. Just watching it now. And they have eight seasons. This is going to take me forever to get through. But I'm excited. It's a good show, though. It is. I'm already, I hate it when Joan and William got together. Hated that. I don't know who I did. That I hate was. when sitcoms do that. I hate yeah. it. But we'll see. We're gonna move along to Lovecraft Country, and I think one you mentioned that you don't watch sci-fi and stuff like that. I think that's why a lot of people are kind of intrigued by it because it is something that we mm-hmm. usually wouldn't watch. But it's just, I guess because they can mix in history, a little horror, some sci-fi, and we just don't know what the fuck is going on, but we just here for it. <laughs> and it, yep. I just feel like it's something different every episode. And I will say this last one, I think it's number four, number five? Number five. It's number. We might be halfway through the season. Um, I have to check and see how many episodes it is. Uh, this was my favorite one so far. And... It's very timely. I wish this episode was one um, that came on last week because we were talking about white women last week. And boy, we talk about Lovecraft Country giving you a good spotlight on white women. Um, And the theme of this episode was metamorphosis. They made a lot of um, references to like butterflies and changing. And we see that in some of the characters in this episode. One thing I wanted to highlight because... Um, I said I was excited because I knew something was going on with Lady's sister, whose name is Ruby. I couldn't think of it last week. And Ruby has the opportunity to become a white woman. And, you know, when you, it's 1955 and you a black woman with definite limited opportunities and you just oppressed on all sides to be a white woman. And I like that she's when William asked her did why didn't she take the money and she was like 
I have the only currency that I need, and that's being a white woman. And you like, she has just a great ass day. Um, one thing I want to mention is the poem that was said um, during the beginning part. Not the beginning, but when um, Ruby is out as a white woman, it's called Sing a Black Girl Song. And it is from For Colored Girls Who Have Considered Suicide When the Rainbow Is Enough. And that's, I'm going to massacre her name, but I think it's in, in Zaki Shank. Um, she is the author from that book, and that's where that poem came from. And one thing I wanted to talk about, too, is, so Ruby decides to go to Marshall Fields and get a job. And I was wondering how she was going to treat Tamara, but you could just see... She sees the perspective, like how white women are, and she found out that white people, they lives just fucked up, and it ain't all what it seems to be. <laughs> but one thing I want to point out is when the women are in the dressing room trying on clothes, um, Tutti Fruity is playing, but it's the white version. And we hear the black version with Little Richard later in a different scene. And we also see how white women... They made, these white women did not want to work with Tamara and they did mention that they didn't want to be around more of her kind. And I realized, and it just hit me, that they were most likely talking about black women and not black people in general because they were so eager to get to the South Side and be all up in them black men's faces. And that's another example <laughs> of how white women really piss me off. Because you want to be with men and you fetishize black men, but you can't accept all black people. Like, you have a problem with us. You don't want to be around us. Phew. Also, what we dive into is... Oh, I forgot. Um, Ruby says being a white woman was... Or had, being able to be a white woman was unmitigated freedom. It also just touched me. So, um, we also hit on Montrose. Um, Atticus realizes that um, Montrose did something to Yahim, Yahima, I'm sorry, um, and basically beat Montrose down. And I think... That's this what is a cycle that has happened in Montrose's life. His father beat on him, and then we see it with Atticus beating on him, and he goes in search of love. And we see that the rumor that we saw last week or heard last week from Seymour that Montrose um, is, I'm assuming he's gay, not necessarily bisexual, just because of the time and the era we were in. But, um,. We see him with the bar owner, and we get a get a sex scene. It was pretty rough, but <clears throat> I think that's how he coped with his feelings. And we see him later on, and this is where we hear Little Richard's version of Tutti Fruity is when Montrose is sitting with his lover and all the in all the drag queens. And shout out to Shangela. I peeped her. Um, I'm not fully aware. I don't know if any of the other. Um, drag queens there are known, but I do know Shangela, so shout out to her. I was very excited to see her. And <clears throat> what I get, we see the metamorphosis and change in Montrose from the beginning of the episode to the end. And we see that when he's in the club and he kind of 
lets loose and he's spinning and they hold him up with his arm stretch and that made me feel like that was him growing his wings so i'm hoping to see a change in how montrose operated so far this season and maybe he will be a little bit more open because it's obvious that he knows more about titus and those pages and hiram all of that he knows more than what he's letting atticus know so maybe that will change and i feel like the another metamorphosis was ruby <clears throat> sorry but she um i think she was able to be more appreciative and being a black woman and I will mention at the end how she basically sodomized that manager with a high heel shoe. That was rough, but oh well. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing how she operates past this episode. And also I saw a theory that William and Christina, or Christina shapeshifts into William. And they were partially right. Christina is William. I mean, I thought they were twins, but that totally went over my head. So I think Christina turning into William is a way for her to access, um, to gain access that otherwise she can't get because she's a woman. So we'll see um, where we go from here. That was the last episode I thought was really good. Like I said, that's my favorite. So we'll keep it pushing. I'm excited. I can't wait for you to binge it. I want to know what you, like when it's time for you to binge it, I want to know. <laughs> How you're going to process that. Because it's just so much. I look forward to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'm sure there there had to be like a, a episode limit. Because I'll, I'll go crazy if not. There is. I did see and I didn't. I have to go back and find it on Facebook. Someone created a syllabus for each episode. So if you don't want to listen. Because there's also a podcast that accompanies each episode. On Apple. Um, so... If you want to learn more, if I need to do it myself to make sure I'm, I know I miss some stuff. So um, I have to go back and find it and share it and probably add it on my Instagram. Um, so as far as movies, um, there was a movie called Cuties. This is where the cancel Netflix hashtag came from. It is a French movie. And I didn't know that it was made by a black woman. So I watched it this past weekend to see what the hype was about. So it's basically about, it's a coming to age movie. You have an 11 year old girl, Muslim girl named Amy, and she is struggling to fit into school. And she also just found out her dad took on a second wife. So she ends up hanging out with these other girls um, and had, you have you seen like the promo, like the trailer? Uh, yes. Okay, so this uh, yeah. this is the core group. It's like four of them. They they're eleven, like I said. They dress kind of older for their age, and they're like a dance troupe. What they're mimicking what they see online and what they're seeing on social media, and they. If there's a, they also show um, a dance group that's in high school that they also want to be like. Now, they say that this movie is uh, for pedophiles or whatever. I don't think that's the intention. Are there cringy scenes? Most definitely, 
I was very uncomfortable with about two scenes, three scenes for sure. <laughs> um, it's, but to be fair, because I was an 11 year old girl once, dancing suggestively or, you know, stuffing your bra or trying to, you know, enhance body parts. I've been there, I've done it. So I, I do get the perspective that the, the, the director was trying to take it was just really uncomfortable to watch it. And there is a scene towards the end where they're dancing um, in a competition. And we see the crowd reacting to them. And, like, the people are looking disgusted. Because I think that's how people will react in real life. And, um, I mean, I wouldn't recommend it. Oh, even minus the cringy parts, I thought the movie was really slow. And I was getting bored. So, um, and the it's... If you watch Money Heist, you know how they do the English voiceovers. That was how it was for this movie. And it wasn't that good. Like, you can tell the voices didn't match. But, um, I don't know. I I try to, like, I get it. I get why people are upset. And I think people are justified in being upset. But, you know, I don't know. And I think, and I made this comparison to somebody. And they said it wasn't a good one. Did you watch Big Mouth? on Netflix? I did not. Okay, so Big Mouth, I said that people didn't complain about Big Mouth. And Big Mouth is a cartoon show, it's animated, and it's about, they're like 12, 13 years old, and they're talking about puberty, basically. And you have hormone monsters. Now we didn't watch these kids, and I know it's a cartoon, but we've seen them um, jerking off, playing with themselves, humping pillows. Uh, we've seen a vagina. It wasn't the little girls, but we saw her masturbating. And I kind of don't understand, and I understand that adults voice the cartoons, but I don't see why there's no outrage with that show. And also, I saw people bring up, like, Dance Moms and, and um, Tyler's and Tierra's. And I remember Tyler's and Tierra's got backlash. But I just feel like Anytime you see children in sexual situations, I don't, I, it's, the energy's not the same. Like, And the person that told me that it wasn't a good comparison said because they were cartoons. But to me, that doesn't make sense. Seeing kids masturbate, that's wild. And maybe that's why I'm trying to give cuties some space and like room and not be like, cancel it. But I don't know. Y'all, t- if you have time to watch an episode of Big Mouth, do it. Like, somebody let me know if I'm just <laughs> trying to, you know, like, I'm I'm reaching on this. But um, the other movie that I watch is The Banker on Apple TV. And that stars Anthony Mackie, Samuel L. Jackson, and Neil Long. And it's based on a true story. And I was really happy to watch this movie. I mean, it still piss you off because it's back in the 50s and 60s. But you have two men, two black men. They hire a white man to be a face of their real estate company. And they buy a bank. And they use this as an opportunity to offer black people loans and for their businesses. And they bought a, like a lot of real estate so that they can offer apartments and homes to black people because as we all know 
because of Jim Crow and all that shit, black people didn't have opportunities to like good housing and they couldn't get loans from the bank. And so this shows this story. Um, and not, I don't want to spoil it, but you know, stuff happens. I think it's a really good movie. I wish that it wasn't on Apple TV. I wish it was more accessible, like on Netflix or maybe Amazon, Amazon Prime or somewhere. But yeah, I think it's an excellent movie and I highly recommend it. And I also wanted to note that it's crazy how Nia Long did a fine job in this movie and how terrible that Netflix movie was. Like, what is it? Is it like... You, you don't have to put much effort into certain movies. Like, and she produced that Netflix movie. One's just for the paycheck. <laughs> is that what it is? Because when I saw it, gotta saw, be. I was like, Neela, now you come, you in this movie doing a swell job, but this, that other movie was terrible. But I get it. If it is based on a check, because she produced that movie too. I guess. So I move on to um, music. It wasn't a lot that came out, to be honest. Um, I did see that Keydron Bryant put out, I guess, an EP. If you're not familiar, this is the young guy. He's like 12, 13 years old. He went viral for singing, and he ended up getting a record deal. If you watch the BET Awards, I believe he opened the show. He sings that I Just Want to Live. Um, it was cute. I look forward to listening to him made me realize that we don't have young R&B artists anymore, necessarily. Um, and to come out the hills, like, you know, Monica came out like 12. Brandy was 13. He's 12 or 13. We haven't had anybody young in a while. Like, the last person I feel like was young was maybe Chris Brown. And we were all the same age. Or maybe we just don't Yeah, because he was 16. We yeah, that's. I mean, Hallie and Chloe. They grown now. Are they? Well, yeah, but they can't. They've been around for a while. I guess maybe we just passed that, or there's no room for children artists. Because <laughs> even Tevin Campbell. I mean, no, I guarantee you, it's we're not we're not of that age. Like True. we're we're in our thirties. We ain't checking for that stuff. But, I mean, like like I said, like Monica, Brandy, Tevin Campbell, they was on the right. Justin Bieber, I guess, would be included as well. They ain't no room yeah, for Yeah, but it. we was growing up with that. It's like how our parents, like, grew up with the Jacksons. They wasn't, they wasn't rocking with Chris Brown, Tevin Campbell. They wasn't rocking with that shit. They had the Jacksons, who, the Osleys, whoever. They grew up, like, the same age. That's who they was rocking with. I'm, you know, uh... New edition and all them. I'm gonna have to do my research and see if there is if there are young black artists out there. <laughs> Cause I just feel like I I mean at least everybody those people were on the radio. Like you don't hear nobody young on the radio. Uh well Whip Nene, that would, I think he was young. I guess I don't know. I'm gonna look it up and see if I can find somebody. Um, next, this came out today, Duran Bernard. Came out with an, I guess that was an album. Um, it's called D-U-R with the Epperson symbol. Um, I only listened to it once. I did. He did a song with Ari Lennox that I liked. It was called Stuck. Um, I liked Relocate, Prepare. This is, if you don't know who he is, he's um, he's sung background for a few folks. 
but he can really sing like really sing he's amazing so check him out um and i have anybody else i know bob put out an album but i didn't listen to it um you know i'll try it out he was okay but when he became a flat earther things kind of went off the rails for him um but my femc of the week is light skin Keisha, aka Big Bang Bisha. She's from Atlanta. If you watch Love and Hip Hop, she was on there. She put out two projects this year. Talk That Talk came out in February, and Clones came out in September. Um, you can listen to Monkey, Believe That, I know a lot of people know that song, and Face Down. So, again, this week we're gonna talk about light skin Keisha. I know people say she's not light skin, I'm not sure. On TV, she looked kind of light-skinned, but a lot of people say she's not. But that's on her if she want to keep that name. Um, Q, did you watch Patti LaBelle versus Gladys Knight? No, absolutely not. You didn't even watch a clip? I, uh, <laughs> you know, I just, I've been busy, man. I So I, I had every intention of going to listen to this versus, but listen, man, I think, I think this is 20, 30 years before me i i like neither one of us just as much as the next person but i ain't gonna spend no time watching gladys Knight. first of all i don't know what year this came out patty played right kind of love for me and i know that came out in the 90s well after you were born and that was my jam i'm glad i was there to see that because i i remember the video and i know how much i it was good. It didn't come off like a competition. If like you were sitting, listening to your two aunties talk about everything. It, it's, it was warm and loving and it was great. They looked beautiful. Um, Patty had me cracking up. She was so funny. Um, Gladys's outfit was beautiful. Like I would wear it. They had Dionne Warwick come out um, towards the end to sing a little bit. She seemed really excited. And she another old auntie. She's like, that was wonderful. And I was like, oh my God, can you be more country? Even though she's from Jersey. But it was a good battle. I think they I should- ain't forgot about how she did Whitney though. Well, you know what I thought about? I don't know if you ever seen Got To Be Real on YouTube, but that's what I thought about. And Dion's actually my favorite character on Got To Be Real. So I always enjoy that. If you don't know what it is, look it up on YouTube. It's got the number two letter B real. It's hilarious. Um, lastly, I didn't know this, but Trump was in, in Philly yesterday. I don't know how I didn't know. Of course, it was protests. I, I wasn't going to go anyways. And he was basically interviewed, I guess I could say, or more like a town hall for undecided voters. And I didn't watch it, but I plan on seeing it after seeing a couple clips because it looked like he got flamed. And what I did, and I think I read this somewhere, it's he has been doing um, rallies with his base, or he's been doing interviews with people like um, Fox News and stuff like that. This is my first time ever seeing him in this um, type of arena, getting questions from all different types of folks. So yeah, that made him look terrible. I mean, he's terrible already, but. I was like, damn, like, if you don't see this nigga dumb by this, if you don't know by now, I don't know what to tell you, but this was a glaring example of that that nigga is dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I plan on watching it, if it's not too long, because I know I ain't going to be able to take too much, but 
Hopefully, he'll come on Hulu because it was on ABC and ABC stuff tends to come up on Hulu. But I mean, that's all I have this week, guys. I'm gonna wrap up this episode with Black Women Make History too, and I'll talk about Mersey Tate. She was born February 6, 1905, in Rowland, Michigan. She was the first African American woman to earn her bachelor's from Western State State Teachers College. Since black teachers weren't allowed in Michigan, she relocated down to Indiana. While teaching and working on her master's, Tate received a scholarship to attend Oxford University in England. In 1935, she was the first African-American to earn a degree from there. During her time in Europe, she was a correspondent for an African-American newspaper, and she studied at the University of Berlin. She actually decided to return to America because she did not like the rhetoric 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 of the new president which was adolf hitler in 1941 she was the first african-american woman to earn her phd in government from harvard and later became the first woman to join the history department at howard university tate published books regarding demilitarization and traveling around the world in the 50s she was able to teach in india and she was celebrated as a political scholar and a black historian. So we want to thank Marcy Tate. As we've heard, she is definitely groundbreaking. She opened a ton of doors for us in the world of academia. So we love and appreciate her for all that she has done for us. And that's it for the episode, guys. We will see you next week. Bye.